so uh, uh, last week I had my, my kids were on, at the counter, like we have a counter with like stools underneath it. And my kids, Caleb and Elizabeth, Caleb's four, Elizabeth just turned three, and um, they were eating breakfast. Then Elizabeth climbed underneath the counter and said, Daddy, come find me. So, you know, it's my cue. Right, I get to be dad for a minute. So I went, went around the corner and I started stomping like the big, like Jack and the Beanstalk. I was like, I was, I was the big giant. And I said, fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of a little girl. And she covered her eyes and said, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. <laughs> Actually happened. She's just not quite getting that chinny chin chin thing. It's just not quite there for her. Um, I don't know why she, she's just associated that with what you say when a bad guy comes, I don't know. She just had the wrong perspective of what she was supposed to say, and I think sometimes we can have an inaccurate perspective of what it looks like to be a Christian who's all in. So what we're doing last week and this week is we're looking at what the Bible and how Bible says about being a Christian who's all in, and what Jesus says is a Christian who's all in. That really needs to be our, um, you know, our, our center. Like, like we've got to recalibrate according to that. Let's take a look. If you have your Bible, flip to Revelation chapter 3. This is the springboard scripture. If you have your Bible, can, you, can I see it? Wave it at me. It's hot up here. Make some wind. Oh, that feels good. It's good to see all your Bibles. Revelation chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to read verses, uh, fifth, what am I reading? 15 through 17. If you, or if you have uh, your screen, you can get the Version Bible app. Hit more, and then events, and the new hope will pop up. Tap that, and you can get all of the sermon notes, all the scriptures that I'm going to use today are all right there, ready to go for you. All right, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. If you're there, say, yeah. Yes. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Another translation said, you make me want to vomit. Uh-oh. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, the church in Laodicea, they thought they had everything together. But they were looking at something else to calibrate what an all-in Christian looks like. And Jesus today, I believe, is talking to us. And he says, hey, recalibrate. Recalibrate, New Hope. Recalibrate, Christians. Recalibrate your spirit to be a Christian who is hot towards God, to be all in. Last week, we looked at uh, the first two things that an all-in Christian understands. First one is that an all-in Christian believes that we are better. Together. Yeah, yeah, you, some of you remember, you were here, good for you. We are better together. We're better together. Christianity was never supposed to be about me and God. It was, it's supposed to be about us and God. There's no such thing as the uh, separate individuals of God. There's the people of God, right? The second thing we learned last week was we are set free to be. We're set free to be a son or daughter in the kingdom of God in God's house. Jesus didn't just die on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins. He died on the cross so you could stop doing them. And here's the next one, number one for today. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. If you're an all-in Christian, you understand that we live to give. We live to give. We live to give. The American capitalist in me does not like this very much. The American capitalist in me likes my IRA or whatever I have. I don't know. 
My wife's the accountant, okay, so. The American capitalist to me wants to hang on, but my, you know, I'm an American and I, I love the American way, but my first loyalty, loyalties are not to the American way, they're to the Christian way. And the Christian understands that the Christian who's all in lives to give. Generosity is, is, a, is a key characteristic of being a Christian. In fact, um, the Bible explains it like this. It's been like this for a long time. In Genesis, it says this. God tells Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. How many like the fact that God says he'll bless us? I love God's blessings. You might not want to raise your hand, though, because there's a reason. There's a reason he did it. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Woo! And you will be a blessing. Don't put the period where it doesn't belong. I will bless you, God says. Why? So you can be a blessing. It comes with responsibility. When we receive God's blessings, he does that with the purpose of us blessing others. We're the blessing to the world around us. God blesses others through us. So we live to give, to be generous. It's one of the reasons we're on the planet. I tell my son right now, I never want him to, to um, be confused of what the meaning of life is, you know, or, or why am I here? Or do I really belong? Maybe I'm crazy. I'll find out. But I tell Mike, like, ask Caleb. If you see him, say, hey, what's the meaning of life? He can tell you. Love God, love others. It's the reason we're here, to love God and love others, to, to obey. Or why are you here, Caleb? Why are you on the planet? Love God, love other people. That's right, son. We're blessed to be the blessing. So we have to live generously. There's three ways we could live generously. There's three areas of our life. And all, all of us, no exception, we all have these three things. And all of us, without exception, invest them in something. Do you invest them in a way that honors God? Let's ask yourself that as we go through it. Here's the first one. The uh, first way that you can be generous. Let's see what it is. We live to give time. We can be generous with our time. Jesus wants to be first in our life. It's kind of his thing, being first. He wants to be first, not last. He doesn't deserve your leftover time. He deserves the first of your time. Thank you. We all have the same time. Anyone have different than 24 hours in your day? No? Okay, what, okay so the sun rises, the sun falls. It's all the same for each of us. It's just, what are we choosing is most important. How do we prioritize our, our time? Uh, this might be an elbow in the gut for some of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. I believe some people in this room have a calendar. And you keep track of your dinner dates, your work schedule, when you're going to be out of town, uh, your doctor's appointments. You put things on the calendar. And I just want, want to just suggest this. If church isn't on it, you might have a prioritization problem. Is church something that you just get to? Is being together in the body of Christ, because we are better together, right? Is being together and gathering with, with other Christians, is that something that you're willing to put into your time if it's left over at the end of the week? If you happen to have the energy at the end of the week, then you do it. Jesus doesn't want your leftovers. He wants the first of your time. That's what it means when uh, the Bible says that God is a jealous God. He's jealous because he wants all of our heart. Is this too hard? Okay. I would, thank you, 
I would rather spend my time, let's just be honest, I would rather spend my time binge watching Netflix. It's fun. I would rather spend my time on Facebook than do something that really matters. Right? Am I the only one that struggles? Like, like there's a reason binge watching Netflix is a real thing. Because your brain just shuts off. But guess what? You're investing your time in nothing. Don't invest your time into nothing. Netflix, video games, Facebook, none of that's wrong. But sometimes God wants us to, sh- to shrink or eliminate things that are good just because they're not God. He wants us to shrink or eliminate them. I hope that's not too hard. Here's the second area that you have this, you have talent. Everybody has talent, and we get to use this for the kingdom of God generously. I'm talking about your abilities, your gifts. Some of you have strength. What a great talent. Are you, do you use it for God, or do you just use it to, to sit, you know, show off to the girls? I mean, what, what's, what's your strength for? I had this, uh, I used to have this piano in my house, and it was like, like made of steel and really heavy. And anytime I ever moved it, like we had to have four guys on each corner, and it was one, two, three, put it down. Okay. One, two, three. Wait, on three or after? Well, after three. One, two, three. And then I got smart, and I called the right friends. And I had one friend in particular, and I did not realize how strong he was. I just accidentally only had three people there to move the piano, and he's like, yeah, that's cool. He got the other end, and he's like, all right, you ready? And I count, one, two, three. (laughs) We're putting it in the truck, and he's like, leaning over. (laughs) How are you doing this? (laughs) I think that's a little example of a way to use a talent in a way that pleases God, to bless someone else. I was blessed by that. Maybe you have strength. Maybe you have a smile. Somebody just smiled at me, and it just let me know I was doing the right thing. Thank you, Mike, using that gift for uh, the kingdom. Maybe you have smarts. Use it for the kingdom. Use it generously. Maybe you have specialized acumen. If you don't know what that word means, you probably don't have that. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. You have other gifts. Maybe you have a specialized acumen. Maybe you have a caring heart. Use it for the kingdom. Maybe you have a gift of music, a talent of music. Maybe you have the ability to communicate truth. Maybe you have uh, the ability to organize and manage projects. Not everybody can do it. Maybe you know when to encourage. Maybe you know how to shepherd kids. You're just good with them. Maybe you're good with senior citizens. Use your abilities, use your gifts, and be generous. You're blessed. You're blessed with those things. And we just saw in the book of Genesis, God said that I will bless you. Why? To be a Blessing. blessing. That's why you're blessed. All right, here's the third thing we have. We have time, we have talent, and we have... Go on. We have treasure. We have time, we have talent, we have treasure. Your money. God wants us to be generous with what we have, including our money. Don't invest your time, talent, and treasure in such a way that you're just like laying around. Like, like your time, talent, and treasure should not just be wasted. 
Cats do that. They just lay around and, and waste time laying around. By the way, do you know how many times dogs are mentioned in the Bible? About 40 times dogs are mentioned in the Bible. That's something to think about. Do you know how many times domesticated cats are mentioned in the Bible? Zero. That's something to think about. <laughs> just, just saying. Keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get some angry emails. <laughs> I like cats, okay? It's just funny. I just like dogs more because they're not stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep talking. Don't use this recording, please. Okay. Jesus expects us to be generous with everything we have, our time, our talent, and our treasure. You have a measure of these in your life. We need to be generous with it if we're going to be Christ-like. A Christian means Christ-like. If you want to be a Christian, you have to be Christ-like. Can you think of any better word to describe Jesus than generous? He gave everything, his life, for us. And if we're going to be Christ-like, we have to be generous with all we have, time, talent, and treasure. Jesus doesn't want your money. That's the thing. Like, treasure isn't about the treasure. Your money, giving money to the Lord is not about the money. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He has everything. This isn't about need. This is about your heart. This is about your heart. That's why God set up the tithe. We, we could see in Malachi chapter 3. God said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So remember the tithe means, the word tithe means 10%. It doesn't mean anything else. Tithe means 10%. And tithe, I heard one person say, oh, I, I've been, uh, I haven't quite found the right church, so I've been giving my tithe to a Christian organization that feeds the hungry, Chick-fil-A. Thank you. I don't know if that was a good joke or not. <laughs> the tithe doesn't belong at Chick-fil-A. The tithe belongs in the storehouse, according to the scripture. It belongs in the storehouse. That's the local church. That's where the tithe goes. My wife and I give to other things as well, but that's above our, we give our tithe to the church and we give above that other places. Why does Jesus do this? Why does he go for it? Every time I've been on this side of the room and I bring up money, I feel like I get a whole bunch of, like, I don't think anybody is actually mad at me. Maybe you are. Uh, but I feel like it's just, you know, the, you know, we all have a resting face that just looks like you're mad. <laughs> and every time I bring it up, I feel like the whole church just goes into, I'm like, hey, I'm just reading the Bible. Why does it do that to us? I think Jesus, really, it's not, it's not he's trying to be mean to us. Give me your money. Give me that checkbook of yours. Jesus isn't this, God's not this, this greedy man looking for your money. He does it because he wants your heart. Not your money, your heart. And they're connected. It's a very, very personal thing. It's been that way for a long time. When God set up a covenant with Abraham, he wanted there to be a sign that the people of God were the people of God. 
And he could have picked anything. He could have said, you know, the people of God, the Israelites, will shave their heads. They will be bald. He could have done that. But instead, he looked at Abraham and he said, if you're my people, you must be circumcised. Does it get more personal? I like to imagine things. I don't, it's not recorded, but I imagine there's a little bit of discussion. Abraham probably looked up to heaven and said, can't I just trim my fingernails, Lord? God said, I don't think so. It's not personal enough. God wants to get personal. If you're going to be a Christian who's all in, you have to understand. God wants to be personal. Some people say it's not, it's not personal, it's business. It's not business, it's personal. In your Christian walk, this is personal. And God wants to get personal, which is why he brings up money. It's not about the money. It's about your heart, which is connected to the money. Jesus taught, I think it's in Matthew. He taught, for where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. They're connected. So when we give, it's an act of submission. It's an act of worship. Yes. Not just obedience. If this is true, if this is true, imagine for a moment if the church had no bills. Or maybe we had some side venture project and we had a business that brought in lots of money. Imagine the church had no bills. The need was erased. Should we still give? Yeah. Need is irrelevant. I don't give because we need to keep lights on. I give because God says to. I give because I want to be generous because it's the Christian way is generosity. I give because wherever my treasure is, there my heart is also. And I want my heart to be all in with Jesus. We believe this. We believe in this church. We believe that we live to give. We live to be generous. Some of you listen to me as I talk about the tithe and you think, I couldn't possibly live off of 90% of what I earn. If you can't, possibly, if you can't fathom living off 90% of what you earn, chances are you're having a lot of trouble living off 100% of what you earn. You, you got bigger problems. You, you probably need smoke. You, you probably just need a, need a hand. We have financial counselors, people who have been there, people who have been through it, people who used to be in debt, got out of it, who can help you look at a budget, who can help you, help you look at your expenses, who can help you look at different things to get your life back on track because we want freedom for your life. We believe that we live to give. So if you're struggling financially, you can go to um, any of our websites and click on the giving. Just go to giving, and there's a, a section there that says, I need financial counseling. If you fill that out, that submission goes straight to me, nobody else. It goes straight to my inbox. Nobody else sees it. And I'll line you up with a financial counselor that can help you. Because we want freedom in your life. We want you to be able to live to give. We want you to be able to put your heart in what, what, um, what God's doing. Second thing. Can you go back to the Malachi scripture, Dominic? Nope, not Matthew and Malachi. The other one, the bigger one. Yep. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, God says. It's the only spot in the Bible where we're allowed to put God to the test. We believe that. Test me in this. And see if I'm not going to pour back 
into your blessings, into your life. So we set up a thing in our church to allow you to do what the Bible says. Test God in this. If you've not been tithing and you want to start, you're willing to give it a shot, go to a giving page on our website. And right next to the I Need Financial Counseling, there's a spot that says 90-Day Tithe Challenge. You can enter the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. And that means I've not been tithing, but I'm willing to start. And if you tithe for 90 days, your household income. At the end of it, if you haven't experienced God's blessings into your life, we'll give every penny of it right back to you. Test me in this. Put God to the test. We'll let you do it. Nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Blessings to gain. So we're, so we're putting some action to what we believe. All right, let me give you the second one. When you do, we believe we're better together. If we're all in, you believe we uh, are set free to be a child in the, in the kingdom. We believe we're, uh, what I just say? Live to give. We live to give. And number two, we strive to thrive. We strive to thrive. The church in Laodicea sat back and enjoyed that their blessings were in their life. They, they were thinking they were all, all that, but God wants us to be all in. And he wanted the, that church to be all in for him. So to do that, we have to strive to thrive in our relationship with the Lord. Look at what Acts tells us about this, the book of Acts. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he's not far from any one of us. I love that. So God came, died on the cross, came back to life, made a way for us to be heaven. Why? So that we would seek him. He's never that far away. He wants us to seek him, but he's never really that far away. So the ball is always in our court. When it comes to striving to thrive, we can't sit back and wait for God to show up. All right, God. Come on. I went to church. Where's my victory? I, I gave, but where's, where's the victory, Lord? Doesn't work that way. He's never that far away from you, but you have to strive to thrive. You have to seek him out. Yes. The other verse says this. It tells us this, this truth. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. If you want to be close to God, guess who moved? It's not him. He's never that far away from you. But the ball's in our court if we want to have a closer relationship with Jesus. We need to strive to thrive. Don't just hope that you grow. Help yourself grow. We have to know God. And I think sometimes when, when we think about Christianity, we think about the doing, the actions involved with Christianity. The actions involved with Christianity, doing good, saying good, serving. The actions involved with Christianity are a nat should be a natural result of the heart of Christianity, which is knowing Jesus. It's not about the actions we do. That comes out of it. But fooey on all that if we don't know Jesus. Jesus taught this. He says, in that day, many, will, many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do the actions? Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell, Jesus says this, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's heavy. The doing comes from the knowing of Jesus. And you can do without knowing. But who cares about that if you don't know Christ? 
Oh, this is kind of lame, but I'll say it. Christianity is not so much about wooing for doing. It's about thriving for striving. (laughs) Thanks. I'm not going to say that next service. That was lame. (laughs) I thought it was really clever when I typed it out. So we need to know God. Here's some tips to know God. Okay, I want to give you three tips to know God. Here's the first one. Be open with God. It's not in your notes, but you can jot it in. Be open with God. Pray. That seems daunting to you. Don't pray. If that's daunting, don't pray. Instead, talk to Jesus. It's the same thing. (laughs) And uh, be open with God. Guess what? He already knows. It's not like you're hiding anything from him. Here's the second tip. So first, uh, be open with God, pray. Second tip, know what God thinks. Read your Bible. The best way to know what God thinks is to look at scripture. That's where God and his heart is revealed to us. If you're going to meet an author or interview an author, you better have read his book. If you can't read, listen to it. If you don't have time to read, listen to it. Get the YouVersion Bible app, go to whatever, and hit the little speaker iPhone or speaker icon, and it'll just read to you. But you need scripture in your life. If you don't understand it, ask. You don't have to be a scholar. Not everyone's gifted to be a scholar in the body of Christ. Not everyone's gifted to be a scholar. But somebody is. So ask. We're better together. Two ways I like to do this. I like to use the Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app. You can start a plan. And it's like just short. It's like uh, emails are longer than what some of this is. It's a way to always make sure that scripture and God, God truth is coming into my heart every single day. So I love the YouVersion Bible app. They have Bible plans. And I pick one in the marriage category about once a month to make sure I'm thinking about my wife. And I could pick one in the prayer category or the love category or the difficult people category. It's pretty cool. Check that out. Another thing I like to do to help, help, um, help me understand God's heart is I like to use, um, uh, it's a thing called SOAP. Anyone ever heard of SOAP in Bible study? SOAP. It's an acronym. SOAP is an acronym. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. So the scripture might be, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the scripture. And then I would look at that, and, or I would read a passage, and I would observe what that scripture says. What are my observations? Man, God loved me first. God so loved the world that. God, man, God loves me. That's my observation. God really loves me. And then I would reflect, okay, the, the application. If God loves me, then, man, I should love, I should love back. I should be loving back, right? And then the prayer, Lord, help me love. Help me love in such a way that honors you. So that's soap. That's something else I do. So if you want to know God, it's be open with God, know what God thinks, and then turn the volume down on something else. We have to turn the volume down on the things around us in order to pray and read our Bible effectively. It's kind of like, like, like you might be driving down the, down the road, like you're driving on 7th Street in Auburn, 
and you have the volume of the radio at a certain level, and it sounds fine, and then you get on the highway and you accelerate like to 70, 72. <laughs> Maybe you're that guy that goes 80. I don't know. But you accelerate up, and you got all this road noise. The tires are rolling. The wind's blowing on the windshield. And what do you do? That radio that was just a fine volume is no longer a fine volume. There's too much junk going on. So because you can't turn down the volume of the road, you have to turn up the volume of the radio, right? You may not even realize you do it until you get off the, off the highway and the road noise is down. The, road, the noise of the stuff around you goes down and all that's left is a blaring radio, right? You, anyone ever done this? Am I the only one? Yeah. If you want to hear the voice of God clearly, you just got to turn the volume down on something else. Maybe it's a weed. Maybe it's something that's still good. It's just not God. And you're not as close to God as you wished you were. If you want to take the next step, you got to pick something and turn the volume down. Would you stand with me? God doesn't want you to hope that a relationship with him happens. God wants you to help a relationship with him happen. And when it comes to the, our relationship with him, the ball is always, always in our court. I think far too many of us have viewed our relationship with God as something passive, something that just happens. Like we're waiting for God to show up. Doesn't work like that, church. Some people might, might even say I'm a Christian because, you know, I'm American, right? Or I'm a Christian. Do you know who my parents are? I'm a Christian. Obviously. I'm a Christian. I don't do too many bad things. I'm a Christian. I go to church and I give in the offering. I'm a Christian. I prophesy and cast out demons. But do you know him? Do you know the Lord as close as you could? We have a few rooms in this church that we keep shut, especially on the weekends. We don't want you to see what's inside of it. There's ugly mop buckets, <laughs> trash bags, cleaning supplies, and, and, and we, we, we clean up the floors other places, but in those rooms, we don't even always clean up the floors there because no one ever sees it. Those rooms are ugly, but you don't know because we, we hide it from you. If anybody wants to see one of those rooms, I can show you. I mean, it's not like I'm hiding things from the church. We don't want you to see that. And you probably have, if you invite people over to your, to your, uh, to your house, you might like, oh, clean up. And clean up for some of you might be like throwing it into a bag, put it in your bedroom, shut the door. So you don't want, there's certain areas you don't want people to see when you invite people over. I get it. Are you doing that same thing with your spirit and your relationship with God? Because you know God's coming over. You know he's coming over. Are you just shoving some stuff in the closet and shutting the door, hoping he doesn't go in? Guess what? He's got the keys. And he has x-ray vision and can see through that door. You're not hiding anything from Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never taken the first step to begin knowing Jesus. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you're willing right now to just take your first step. Today can be your day. You take your first step towards Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Lord, 
We want to follow you. We want to be surrendered to your spirit. We want you to be in charge. Lord, we believe in what you did on the cross. You died for us. You came back to life that conquered death and it paid the price for our sins. Lord, we want to respond with our life and following you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this last song, uh, I encourage you to take a step forward and give the Lord everything. In your spirit, open up the closet doors in your life because God deserves it all, right? Lord, we look to you. We want to be all in for you, holding nothing back. Yes, Lord, let's give the Lord our praise. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the victory that's coming. We bless you. We bless your name. Lord, we want to be all in for you. We want to be all in. All in comes from a word that, that a phrase that's used when you know that what you've all got in your hands is better than what everyone else has got. So you're willing to go all in. Lord, we know that what's in our heart is better than what's in the heart around us. We want to go all in for you. Surrendering all. We want to go all in for you and your kingdom. Because you want a relationship with us, God. And we want to bless you. So Lord, you have all of us. I pray that as we leave these doors, we would leave fully surrendered to you and in communion with you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.